Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. On this week's episode, we have Lauren. Hello. Bernie. Hi. And Justin. On this week's episode, we find out about the mysterious rocks that are causing a disturbance in Death Valley and just how they cracked this centuries-old mystery. We also find out another mystery about some pandas in a breeding centre in China. And now we launch into our Launchpad News segment. This week's City of Science is not really a city, but it is very, very scientific. But it is also a dangerous, dangerous place where many things go to die. Yes, of course, I am talking about Death Valley, which is a desert valley located in the eastern California's Mojave Desert, which is pretty much the lowest, driest, and hottest area in North America. Um, in fact, in, in the inside Death Valley, which is quite, quite long uh, in, in length, encompasses it's about 130 kilometers long um but it's, it's this massive continuous strip of desert and it even has inside it great place names like bad water basin and furnace creek just to give you an idea of uh what might be entailed in this area it encompasses 7,800 square kilometers um and it is one of the hottest places in the world in fact in pretty much the hottest driest place in north america and it regularly summer hits around 50 degrees which is pretty hot in the scale of things and it's also really really cool there are some lakes that live in this mysterious desert there's also a glacier which is very confusing and there is also some interesting mysterious occurrences that keep happening there and that's going to be the focus of our first story this week so this week's city of science is death valley in the Mojave Desert in North America. So, Justin, I don't know if you've heard about this, like, cool little podcast. Um, It's called Welcome to Night Vale. I don't know if you've heard of it. I am vaguely familiar with Night Vale. I love Night Vale. Things that go on on at the dog park. I think it's actually... It's actually like the number one most downloaded podcast at the moment. I would wish for its popularity. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, I know Night Vale is like this cool little town situated in the desert. There's all these mysterious things happening. And you were just mentioning that there's some cool, mysterious things happening in Death Valley. Can you tell us about these cool Night Vale-like mysteries? And it really, it actually is a quite mysterious occurrence that would be quite worthy of being included in Welcome to Night Vale. And most of the reason that is, is because something's been happening that no one has really seen. They only can see the aftermath. So all they are left with is trying to piece together this mystery that's been plaguing scientists, explorers and adventurers for years and years and years. And that is, how do rocks that weigh over 300 kilograms get moved around nay slid across the desert without anybody noticing and nobody around there so justin by sliding you mean they're not just it's it's not like a landslide or like the effect of like earthquakes right no 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 so to give you an idea about this section of death valley is it's it's called the playa it's basically a massive salt flat bed and it is just dead flat 
completely empty, covered in sand. It's one of the places that they can do the amazing, you know, high-speed drag racing that they do with those crazy, awesome, fast vehicles that break the land speed record. Perfectly empty, completely flat, just sand for kilometres around. All you can see is sand. Except there's the occasional big rock. And they've left these massive trails through the desert. And because it's not very windy and there's not much, not much uh, rain, obviously, in the middle of this crazy desert, the, the tracks that these things have left there have been visible for countless years, like hundreds of years of these massive tracks. So they are going nowhere slowly. Yeah, that's right. And, and there's been a whole myriad of conspiracy theories about what has actually caused these rocks to move. So these mysterious pathways being left as these rocks are dragged across the desert have had many theories about what could be causing them. Some people reckon that it was the mysterious works of the ley lines and magnetic field resonating inside the rocks and dragging them around. Other people thought it would be some mysterious ancient cult of the native um, indigenous people of the area who'd be moved them around to signal to their gods. Others, of course, reckoned that it was obviously aliens who were using these massive rocks as their landing markers. But uh, in the serious world of science, people still were not able to actually explain what on earth was causing these rocks to move around. They're, they're far more heavier than what would be a human would be able to move on their own. And the way in which they move suggests they'd been dragged in a consistent fashion in a really long path. And I'm not talking like one or two rocks here. I'm talking hundreds of rocks scattered across this area. And if a person was to do that, they would leave all other sorts of tracks leading up to these areas. So it, it wasn't obviously man-made. Okay, so obviously scientists aren't going to just assume it was aliens that did it, like, give up. If we can't find any tracks and stuff, how do we try and figure out what exactly these is causing these rocks to move? And it's a really fascinating story because when you think about it, what can you really do aside from sitting down, watching the rocks and waiting for them to move, which isn't exa exactly feasible in Death Valley where it reaches about 50 degrees in the summer. So it's a, it's, it's an interesting part of science. Now, uh, the people who actually cracked this mystery wide open actually was a collaboration between an entrepreneur and software engineer, as well as a physicist who comes, a geologist really, who comes from a background of meteorology and oceanography. And what they did is combining their talents, they came up with some fantastic motion-activated GPS units. So these little guys, they're basically, they, they attach them to the rocks. They're small little, um, basically, stickers. And in case something moved, like the rock, what they would do is they would turn on, start transmitting their signal, but also measuring with an accelerometer how fast this thing was moving, in what way it was moving, and, and the GPS recorded its locations as it was travelling. So from there, they could actually... The idea was they could actually measure when, where, and how fast and how they were actually occurring. What they also then did was set up some cameras so they could observe what was actually going on, which is also not really something you want to hang around for. But after, actually, after tracking it for a little while, they decided, you know, okay, we're going to test out some of the two competing theories. So really there's a couple of interesting ideas about the way in which this could work. Obviously, uh, aliens and UFOs and whatever like that, that's all right out. 
And so scientists had actually theorized it was either wind pushing these massive rocks. Now, you'd have to get pretty fast in order to actually move a 300-kilogram rock. So people were pretty skeptical about that one. Um, But there was also a theory that perhaps it was water or ice that was actually causing these things to move along. But no one really understood how it would actually work. So what they were actually fortunate enough to discover, they were more leaning towards perhaps the ice hypothesis. And, Justin, you might be asking me, why on earth would this massive area of desert have ice? And it's actually quite interesting to think about. This desert is really, really cold, and it's at night because there's nothing around to trap all the heat. So any time, quite regularly at night, actually, gets below zero degrees, which obviously causes ice to form. And if there's any shit in the air or any rain um, from the rare times that it does rain, um, it will actually freeze because it will sit on the, the lake bed surface very quickly and then it will just form a very, very thin layer of ice, which obviously disappears in the morning when it gets to 50 degrees again in the day. So what they decided to do in December, they were tracking and they, they saw some rain come in, so they travelled down to the desert and they started observing the ice and they got up really early one morning um, and, they were, and they were watching the ice as, as, it, as it thawed. So the, the entire surface around the rocks had a couple of millimetre layer thick of ice. So about five millimetres in total, layer thick of ice around all these rocks, across all the entirety of the lake bed. And this is a huge, huge, many hundreds of metre wide sheets of ice just covering the surface really, really thin and uh, and just, just present. But what, what happened was, like when you smash a window pane, when they crack part of the ice, it forms these massive big cracks all the way to traverse across it, which is part what what happens when uh, the ice starts to melt from the sun. They call this, you know, window panning. But what actually happened is then the wind picks up the, these massive sheets of ice and they start to move and carry and travel along. And these massive sheets of ice smash into the rocks and they carry and slide them and push them along, dragging them through the dirt, leaving behind these massive trails but slowly melting away into the sand when the sun rises. Wow. So does that mean both of their theories were correct? Well, basically, yeah. The, the ice layer actually enables the wind to push it because otherwise <laughs> it wouldn't obviously be strong enough. But also the, the giant sheets of ice act as massive sails to magnify the force of the wind, therefore enabling much more speed to be generated by it. And and these things aren't moving for small lengths of time. Some of them are measured for a few, moving only for a few seconds, but others travelled for 16 minutes along the ground, moving it at about uh, two to th- six metres per, me- per minute, which is pretty fast for a 300-kilogram th- rock being carried by the wind. So the, the longest distance they actually managed to record was about 60 metres before it stopped, which is incredible. It was really just some ice, wind... And a whole lot of rocks rocking out on their own private party in the desert. <laughs> I think I would have preferred aliens. Yes. Uh, well, alien, aliens, of course, would have been a more fantastical explanation. But, of course, the world often has a more simpler and more satisfying um, situation. And who doesn't want to let the rocks enjoy their moment in the sun when they get to savour the precious water that they get once every 10 years? Laura, you were obviously an A-grade student who was top of the class, teacher's pet, 
and respected for being so honest and trustworthy. But did you ever fake something just because you wanted to get out of it? Maybe a sports lesson or uh, perhaps a certain trip uh, trip out or maybe you were just uh, t- trying to ditch your friends uh, to go uh, watch your latest anime show. Have you ever just come up with an excuse that you then tried to pass it off and then found yourself living a lie as you try and progressively dig your way out of this mess that you've created with your myriad of lies? Uh, yes, frequently when I, um, frequently during high school when I wanted to get out of class, I would fake volunteer for things. Like, oh, look, it's open day. I'll volunteer to show people around and then slowly disappear and then never actually do the volunteering and get out of boring subjects. And you hit it... You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. So if you're listening <laughs> um, from Lauren's school, please, please dock her whatever merit she earned. From <laughs> they can't touch me now. I'm at university. I'm in my second year. So what, what does this have to do with the wonderful world of animals? Are there creatures out there who fake their way out of circumstances much like humans? In a way, yes. Um, to be honest, in the case I'm about to talk about now, they didn't really do it on purpose. Um, what I'm going to be talking to you about is actually a panda from the um, giant panda breeding research center in China that actually faked a pregnancy. Well, let's 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 take a few steps back here. Why is there a panda breeding research facility? What what is going on that <laughs> requires us to breed and research uh, pandas like this? Well, pandas are actually an endangered species, and the really funny thing about pandas is um, they actually they they don't like breeding that much. How so, are they alive? Like, as a legitimate question, right? How is their species propagated for so long? We actually have no idea because the thing is, pandas don't stop breeding till they're about four to five years old, and they're only like in the mood to breed for about like three days each year. Wow, the, that, that, that's kind of, that's kind of uh, problematic for genetics and biology. Especially for an endangered species where you're trying to get the numbers up. So in that case, we have things like um, breeding centres. Um, this is seen especially in like the zoos and stuff so that we can help encourage um, the increase of um, panda numbers. Right, so we, we, have, we have these recalcitrant pandas who really don't want to propagate their species whilst we desperately try to save them from going extinct. I don't know if you actually remember. I can't. It was a zoo in China or America, I think, but they used to have two pandas in enclosure and they had a small webcam that was constantly having live feed on the zoo's website so you could constantly watch the pandas. That that uh, that's a bit sounds a bit suspect, but sure, sure. It was, but it was also I, they were doing it to. I have no idea why, but it was a thing to do with the breeding program back there. But that has nothing to do with this. Okay, I'm glad because that was getting a bit weird. <laughs> so, because pandas are so adverse to breeding, this is why we take it really seriously when um, we see signs of pandas being pregnant, because we want to help increase those numbers and ensure the survival of this species. Mm. So this is why we have a panda breeding breeding center. And it turns out um, this month, actually, one of the pandas called Ai Hin was shown to be pregnant. And so when a panda is pregnant, what they do in these breeding centers is they move them to a nice new enclosure. They give them lots of food, including fruit and buns and bamboo. And, you know, they're really taken care of just to make sure that they stay healthy and they have healthy offspring. 
and that makes sense. Like when when if you if you have a panda breeding center, what you desperate and they finally like decide to breed after avoiding it for so long, you really <laughs> you really want to make sure that they're treated well and uh, and are happy and content and go to full term on the pregnancy. That makes sense. That that seems like a reasonable course of action. So what went horribly wrong? Well, it turns out that Aiken was actually taking a bit more advantage of this um, new situation than she should have been. Because what they found out was that she wasn't actually pregnant. She was experiencing something called a fake pregnancy. Right. So she was faking pregnancy to get out of the normal enclosure? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fake pregnancies aren't actually that unusual. I mean, they sometimes even happen in... They sometimes even happen in humans. And for pandas, we can't actually really see um, the fetuses in them. We can't really use ultrasounds to tell that a panda is pregnant. So we usually base it off of things like behaviour and hormones. Right, right. Because, you know, the, the they behave in a very... Um, antagonistic type of way when they're pregnant from my understanding and they also are, it makes it really difficult to try and actually get in there and ultrasound them, mm-hmm. uh, as well and uh, I think there's been several other zoos which have struggled with it in the past they, they think the brand is pregnant they're counting down the days but they're still not quite sure even when it's just about to go into labor and give birth if the panda is actually pregnant or not pregnant or not but this, so, this sounds fantastic like this 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 panda here what, what, so what what happened so when they actually found out that she wasn't pregnant, they, um, they've moved her back to her enclosure now. That It's just amusing that she was actually faking these um, fake pregnancy symptoms for a lot longer than pandas usually do. Right, right. And it almost suggests, in fact, that it's a learned behaviour, that uh, they've noticed that the, all the other pandas get treated well when they're pregnant. So I'm going to get me some of that sweet, delicious bamboo and fruit buns. That's exactly what it looks like. Well, I, I, this is very human-like behavior from a from a uh, from a panda. I don't know whether to be impressed or concerned. Some people are like, um, yeah, blaming the panda that it's like um, extending its faking of pregnancy. But the thing is, I don't think it's that bad of a thing because the panda's not exactly choosing to have these symptoms in the first place. It didn't mm. exactly choose to have a fake pregnancy, and if you can extend your experience in this like amazing, well-treated conditions, why not? <laughs> That's right. I mean, it's basically escaping the zoo. So all power to you, uh, Panda, for figuring out the best way to stay safe, happy, and uh, well looked after in the Panda Breeding Research Centre. <laughs> this has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, Lagrange Point. This week we looked at the mysteries of the moving rocks in Death Valley, and we also tackled the big questions about why pandas are f***ing pregnancy to get better food. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.